Welcome to Take Two, where we get down to the nitty gritty and talk all things relationships. Say hey, babe. Hey, now. And we're back. It's been so long. Why has it been so long, honey? I don't know. My guess is we're probably going to come up with some piss poor excuse why. Um, I've been sick. The whole house has been <laughs> sick. You can hear it in my voice. And so... Do I still sound nasally? Yeah. Oh, you sound like uh... You, sound, you still sound congested. I'm mm-hmm. congested. I feel like I'm much better. Mm. There was like two days. It was like New Year's Eve and New Year's. I feel like I was, I was going to die. Yeah, it was. he was like death. Like he was not his normal self. I've never seen him sick before. So that was a treat. Mm. You know what? There's definitely a difference when men are sick and when women are sick. What? When men are sick, it's like they're dying. Like... Don't That's, that's when even. you see them at their most vulnerable. Like, you know... And I'm not saying this is you. I'm just saying... Uh, I was just getting ready to say... But he was a little bit on the baby side. How, um, Sway? I went to bed... Still helped with stuff around the house. I was joking. Still Disclaimer. Got up, still got up and went to work. I was still working out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was your choice. But anyway, To go to work? No, working out. Babe, I was still doing regular stuff. Okay. Anyway. I am unstoppable. I said... Wow. I said your, I was not talking about you. If I was on my worst day and you were on your best day... You'd still beat me? I'd run you over like a truck. That's rude. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, I'm not saying him. I'm just saying in general, a lot of times um, men are babies when it comes to illness. Mm. Women aren't because they already go through so much like childbirth and menstrual what a, cramps. And what about a woman who hasn't given birth? Menstrual cramps. I know plenty of women who say, oh, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Anyway, I'm just saying that mm. women have the tendency to be a little bit stronger Ooh. when it comes to that. I'd love to hear the I'm sure chime in. people would agree. Is there a comment section there's below? Like, I kind of even want to look it up. I'm sure there's like <laughs> a general consensus somewhere that says, yes, women are not as much babies as men. Wow. So eloquently put. Men versus <laughs> let me see. I'm I'm googling this right now. Oh my god. Men I can't believe we're doing this. Versus women when sick. And wow. Hmm. Why and there's many articles why women are much worse. I mean, why men are much worse at being sick than women. Here's why women handle sickness better than men. Is man flu real? Men suffer more when sick. What? Why guys react differently to colds. Are men just babies when they get the flu? Jesus. See? Every article written by a woman. That's not true. Let's click on one of these. Let's go to this one from Time Magazine. Why men are much worse at being sick than women. And let's see who wrote it. Oh, it was a woman. Hmm, surprise. Hmm, it's in a nutshell saying hormones have a big effect on immunity. 
I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm sure if I go to another article, it won't be. Actually, this is a men's health article, so I'm sure it was written by a men. I mean, a man. You're right. It was definitely written by a man. <laughs> by, by a man. <laughs> anyway. Mm -hmm. But we've had illness going through the house. It started mm -hmm. with our youngest child. And then Aaron had it. And then I had it. And then our oldest son was sick. Um, but I'm the only one that, well, Jalen went to urgent care, but it was after my diagnosis. I'm the only one that went to urgent care for the symptoms and found out that I have strep. So, okay. yeah, I've been on antibiotics, but it's been rough. I wonder if you're more susceptible to, like, ear, nose, and throat stuff because you were uh, so recently an ex-smoker. You think that has had anything to do with it? No. Sorry, just a stab in the dark. Mm. I mean, mm. I'm no expert, but I personally don't think it has anything to do with that. Well, the fact that you're Googling who's <clears throat> stronger. Well, that's because that's known. Everybody. everybody knows that. You can definitely trust what you read on the internet, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely can. He's in a rare form, y'all. It's He's gotten been so in shady form. in this room. <laughs> From you. Because <laughs> you're being rude. What? Anyway, I'm dead. Mm, you might be. Uh -uh. Um, <laughs> Y'all don't hear me no more. Mm. They know what happened. Con I was going to say contact my next again, but they probably not going to care. Mm, yeah, they ain't going to give two farts. <laughs> contact City Hydesville. Tell them I can't make it in. Mm. Don't worry. I'll contact all the necessary people. <laughs> life insurance. <laughs> Anywho, what are we talking about today? I just wanted to explain to people why we haven't been on. This is like, I, I just knew we would be so much better in the new year. It's right. only been six days in, so we still got time. We're six days in, so we're doing a podcast. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. We've been sick for the past six days mm -hmm. since the beginning of the year, pretty much. So Let's get down to the nitty. Anyway, it is a new year. Nitty. It's a new dawn, a new day. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. What's 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 on the agenda for today? Uh, for tonight, um, there is something I wanted to discuss only because, uh, and I know I already know what he's gonna bring up. I know <laughs> you just want me to sleep with the lights on again tonight. What? Oh, what oh you need to stop. What are you about to bring up? No, no one's worried about R. Kelly or this stupid uh, thing they did. We all knew what he was doing. We just didn't want to, we didn't want to know. We knew, but we didn't want to know, no. Okay, let's not talk about him. Um, <laughs> what were you going to say? What were you going to bring up? So, I most recently um, was reading through um, some stuff and then just comparing it to some things that have happened through the years in my life. Um, I recently ran across someone who's doing a young lady who's doing um, an, an Instagram page dedicated to uh, mental health and wellness and hashtag, uh, what is it? Hashtag under the surface. Um, and I think it's commendable what she's doing. So the question I want to pose to you, Bebe, mm -hmm. is why do you think it is that we as people of color have such a hard time talking about acknowledging 
and or dealing with uh, mental health issues. Both of us uh, having our own mental health issues to deal with. I'll talk about mine in a bit, but go ahead. I know we usually ask each other questions. So that's the question. Why do we have people? Why do we? And I know a lot of times we like joke around and we're like goofy and silly on the podcast, but every once in a while we talk about something serious. So why do we as people of color, uh, or, or is it? Is it people of color or is it like us as a, is it a generational thing? Is it a racial thing? Is it a... No, I think it's a, it's a people of color thing. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like over the years, like people of color, when it comes to things like that, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it's not socially acceptable, but we tend to keep things like that private and just in family. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that you make publicly known. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you outwardly talk about. Um, And I think that a lot of people of color um, feel like it's not something that's really seen in our community. Mm -hmm. I feel like other people would feel like this is something that you would more so see in another race. Right. Um, Or it's more prevalent in that race than it is in ours. So I feel like it's something that's kept under wraps. If there are any mental issues, mental health issues, I feel like it's something that's just kept within the family. It's not really something you speak on. And so it's really just not... Um, you know, something that's talked about openly. I feel like statistically, and I'm not quoting any specific statistics, mm-hmm. but just from things seen over the years, when when you look at mental health and you look at people who, because of their mental health issues, um, shoot up schools or, um, you know, they turn to suicide or whatever the case is, it's nine times out of 10, it's more so another race than African-Americans. Oh, I see what you're saying. And so not that the African-American community doesn't want to associate themselves with that, but it's something more so, I don't know, that that they just keep under wraps. Do you feel like, do you feel like we through the years we as a people have had to make ourselves I don't want to say tough but we've had to make ourselves for lack of better words tough well yeah like, I, I feel like we already have so much going against us right. that that's one less thing um, and as you were um, thinking of your response or the question that you just asked, I was sitting here thinking to myself, it's also like you don't want to uh, put something in the forefront that would make us seem weaker. Right. Yeah, that's probably a better word. So I feel like we kind of keep that to ourselves because we already have it hard. Right. Um, Let's not throw that into the fire and make it another reason why, uh, you know, or to have a reason to have something else against us. 
And also people might see sometimes mental illness as a sign of weakness, or we don't want to use that as an excuse as to why we do the things that we do. Mm. You know, when there are mass shootings or whatever the case, you know, these big things that show up in the news that's going on around the world, a lot of times it's blamed on their mental health. Mm. And sometimes I think that people of color, you know, we have a little bit more pride than that. We don't want to just automatically place the blame on a mental health issue or whatever the case is. Right. And a lot of times they don't even, if it's something that a black person does and it's all over the media, it's not because of a mental health issues because they're black. You know, mm. mental health never comes up when it's when it pertains to a person of color doing something who others would deem in their eyes wrong. I got you. So. Okay. That's just my thought. Do you feel it. like, do you feel like we as a people of color um, are reluctant to get treatment? I don't think we're reluctant to get treatment. I mean, I don't think that just because we don't speak on it, you know, we're not we're not dumb to the situation. Like, I don't think mm. we have an issue seeking treatment. I think, um, I just think, like I said, it's just not something that's, that's broadcasted. It's, it's like one of those things that you don't speak of and not because you're ashamed of it, but because, you know, you don't want judgments made. Mm. And so, like I said, we already have so many other things. So to have that added on, um, another characteristic flaw is, you know, if you can avoid it, then why not? Right. So I don't think that um, we have an issue with getting treatment. I feel like we are more supportive of those going through something mm -hmm. like that. But, you know. Okay. Um, well, I would say... Well, last question. Let me ask this last question and then I'll move on. Um, well, I'll make my statement and then I guess we can wind up or whatever the case. Um, in your in your struggle with uh, anxiety, mm -hmm. have you felt like you've been supported or do you feel like your family has a, a full grasp or understanding of what it is you're dealing with or do you feel like you're supported in that i feel like there's support to an extent mm -hmm. i don't feel like anyone is going to fully understand what you're going through unless it's something that they've been through or that they've experienced mm -hmm. um for me anxiety the anxiety and the depression is like it's one and the same so the anxiety um, takes a big toll on my on my mental and my emotions mm -hmm. and causes the depression and sometimes well I mean now I know what brings about the anxiety what brings it to the surface but I feel like it's always a feeling or it's always something that you can't really describe. Right. And so that's why I feel like, um, you know, somebody can try to be as supportive as they can, but 
they won't necessarily understand it until it's something that they've felt or experienced. I feel like my family is supportive as much as they can be. Mm -hmm. But sometimes for me, the anxiety or the depression is so intense and it's intense to the point where I can't like fully convey through words Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what I'm feeling or what it's doing. And that, that can be frustrating to those who love you, who are trying to be supportive because they want to help, but they don't know how to help. And we don't know how to explain. Yeah. So, um, that barrier. Yeah. So I've had moments where I've been to the point where I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't, you know, whatever the, the issue is. And my mother's gotten so frustrated. She's like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I don't know what, and I don't really know either. Cause if I knew, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. (laughs) Like we wouldn't, I wouldn't be in the situation, but having mental health issues or mental illness or whatever can be very crippling. And it's like, you don't want to have these type of issues, Mm -hmm. but you do. And the only thing you can do is either get treatment or find some type of support group or like do your research and find out ways to kind of tame it or, you know, calm it down or I don't know, but it's very, it's like, it's hard to find that right support unless it's somebody who experiences what you experience. Right. Because if it's somebody who's never been through that, it's just like, you know, you can't really, you don't really know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that I've gone through, like when my mom or my grandmother or whatever would always say that these phases that I would go through is me being loopy and people who don't know me personally, like I would have these these uh, episodes where I was just like out of it mm-hmm. and now I've kind of pieced it all together and realized that it was the anxiety mm-hmm. well I'm thinking it I'm, I'm thinking it was the anxiety because it always happened whenever there was like a stressful moment or period in my life that was the trigger and yeah and ever since um, I've been on like the mood stabilizers I feel like I haven't had that. Like, I feel like, I don't know. It's like, it's really weird to explain. Okay. So let me back up and explain the episodes Tell your them, story. themselves. So, and at first I thought it was from drugs. I thought it was from, um, smoking marijuana. Okay. But, um, then it would happen when I hadn't smoked marijuana. Mm. So I was really confused as to where it was coming from. So let me back up. The first time that it happened, um, it was in 2006 cause it was shortly after my son was born and I was getting ready for work and I just, whatever, something just came over me and I just couldn't, like I couldn't function when I get like this, it's like either my heightened, I mean, my senses are heightened or they're lessened. Mm, and okay. so it seems like my sense of smell is heightened uh, my hearing is heightened, but like my sense of touch and my sense of taste is not really there. Mm-hmm. And I just get like stuck. I, I just, I can't do anything. 
Like all I want to do is lay in bed because when I'm asleep, it like goes away. Right. But when yeah. I'm up, it's just like I can't really function. I can't drive. I can't do anything. I don't like talking on the phone because it just seems like everything that's going on is not really happening. And so I would get in these phases and they would last anywhere from like a week to like two weeks. And I could never really explain to anybody what it was without sounding crazy. Because when I tell someone, somebody's like, well, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like my senses are heightened or or they're not there or right. I'm like stuck. Like, I literally was stuck. Like, when these times would come, I couldn't go to work. So I'd have to like call out of work and say that I was sick or try to go to work and function it. But it would be like somebody would be talking to me and I'd be like, You'd be there, but not yeah, there. Yeah, I'd be there, but I'd be physically there, but right. mentally not there. And it'd be like, like they'd be talking to me, and I'd be, I feel like everything was just like moving in like slow motion. I don't know, it was really weird. And <clears throat> the reason why I thought it was marijuana was because right before that happened, um, I had smoked, and I'm not really a smoker. And I, what I think happened was that. One time when I used to do recreational drugs. Mm, little wacky weed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something that I smoked, it was laced. And it's like ever since mm, then, okay. it's triggered. Okay. So every time I would smoke, like it would trigger that right. feeling. And like I couldn't be around it because even if I got like hot box and somebody was smoking like around me, it would trigger it or whatever. Um, and so I'm not sure... If it's that or, if, but it's all like a chemical thing in your brain. So right. it's, you know, whatever. Um, but even still, that's led to you making the decision, and this is years ago, that marijuana use probably wasn't the best thing for you. Right. So fast forward a few years in 2016, so 10 years later. I had a severe like breakdown mm. and there was a trigger of stress and I did, I had smoked, but there was like a trigger of stress and all this other stuff. And this was like the worst, like my breaking point, breaking, breaking point. And when I went to the doctor who eventually helped me with treatment and everything, he told me that smoking marijuana has a, reverse effect on me so okay, where right, most people right. it makes them like happy and mm -hmm. whatever they're like on cloud nine it makes me depressed it mm -hmm. does the complete opposite so he told me that i had to stay away from that and like drinking and things like that because right. it'll it does the exact opposite which made sense because every time it happened then i would get in this what they call loopy so i couldn't smoke and then I would try, I'm like, well, maybe it's not that. So maybe if I smoke, like, I'll be fine. No. Mm. And then a few days later, I'd be like that. So anyway, I don't know. It's just, um, I don't know what I said all of that for. But You're just telling now, the story. And we appreciate it. Now that I'm on the mood <laughs> stabilizers, like, I haven't had an episode like that. But... Mm -hmm. There will be some times where, like, I'm doing something and I'm like, did what I did yesterday, did, did that really happen? And, like, I know I'm not in a loopy phase. Right. But it's like, sometimes it almost feels like when I feel like I'm normal. Mm. Um, how do I want to say this? Like, 
like when I feel like, like I feel like it's reversed. Like sometimes I feel like, well, maybe when I'm in that trippy state, like maybe that's normal and every other time is, oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, what's the real reality? Right. So like, <laughs> so like today, um, when I finally got up and got dressed and everything and I was straightening up the living room and I was looking out the window and I was like, what was going through my head when I parked the car like that? Like, was I out of it last night? You know, like stuff like that, like that happens often. I'm like, Maybe I was feeling a little loopy last night, but I felt like I was fine. But like, it's always like the next day. It's like, maybe I wasn't. So I don't know. It's just weird. I just want to be normal. (laughs) And that's all that I want. But whatever. And, and a lot of times if I feel like I'm getting ready to be loopy, I'm like, you know what? If it comes, it comes. I just have to ride the wave because there's nothing I can do to stop it. Like it's going to happen. So, yeah. Mental illness, it's fun. <laughs> well, I think that's um, that's another, just one of the great things about us here at Take Two. Um, I feel like what's so special about me and you is that um, we understand each other on a level uh, that's different from what other people would understand us. Um, and not from an anxiety standpoint, um, but from uh, the standpoint of uh, depression. Um, There's a lot of stuff that makes sense. So um, I I forget how old I was, but I know it was early teens. Early teens, I was diagnosed uh, with clinical depression. And actually, my parents were really supportive and tried to get me um, the help that I needed. And it's funny that coming across this hashtag and, you know, talking about it because being biracial, I feel like my dad was more being African-American. My dad was more hesitant to get me to a psychiatrist and on medication and my mom being Caucasian was more pro getting help putting on medication and things of that nature so it's kind of interesting to see you know how all that played out but anyway um but they were but now it, it well, how it played out is they were both very supportive and them getting um trying a couple different medications in early uh teenage years and then really came off of it because I really just didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, so I lied to my doctor, lied to my parents, and had to keep that lie going. Um, fast forward until, what, early 30s? And I just recently got back on. And I guess the thing is, is that, uh, as it's been explained to me, is that medication and and the industry has come so far um, that a lot of the way it made you feel back then, um, you know, isn't the way uh, the different side effects and stuff you'll get now. Um, but there has been some really uh, pretty low times in my life where um, I don't know if I ever felt loopy um, or felt the feelings that you do, but I know that overwhelming 
sense of like there's a weight on your chest and on your shoulders and there's an overwhelming sense of something is weighing you down mm -hmm. and trying to explain that to others um like you know my brothers and sisters and um you know friends of mine i think was so it was beyond difficult so i think i got to a point where i didn't even try right and i was just like you're not gonna get it anyway so um so it's difficult when people say oh you know just talk to somebody about it because even as an adult, there's so many people you, you know, would talk to. I'd talk to some of my friends and stuff later on and be like, oh, you know, by the way, I'm I'm depressed. And they would go, uh, or I suffer with depression. And I think the first thing they would say is, um, depressed? No, not you. Like, you're pretty, you know, you're always cracking jokes or easygoing guy, da 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 And I have to explain that it's more clinical depression, more like a chemical imbalance in the brain, not mm -hmm. so much a, a circumstance or a situation I'm going through that makes me feel depressed. I have, There's no real control over it. Um, so I think that's kind of where I was at. And I think the other side of that is too is that we as minorities, I think we have this, this thing where it's like we want to, pray it out of people like I think if we feel like if we pray about it enough that um, w that will be cured from a mental illness it's like if you break your leg mm -hmm. do you go to a doctor to get put in a cast or do you pray about your leg <laughs> being you know what I mean it's like right. one of those type of situations and I get it like you know from a religious and being from a religious background like, I understand, you know, nothing. there's nothing too hard for God and there's nothing that he can't do, X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, um, God gives you common sense and also biblically it's written um, that if you're sick, then seek a, a physician. Mm -hmm. um, so if we're going to obey the Bible and in, in some extent, we have to obey the Bible and other verses as well. So if you're, if you're sick, seek a physician. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I think mental illness falls under one of those categories of it's all in your mind, you know, and God controls your mind or God can control your minds and can control your thoughts and um, just pray about it. And if you pray hard enough, it'll go away. Um, and I don't I just I simply don't agree with that. Um, so, yeah, the interesting thing for me is that um, probably from the age of. I don't know, I want to say like 16, 17 to early 30s, I wasn't medicated at all. Mm. Um, and I felt like for all those years, the only thing I really used to kind of help self-medicate, it wasn't alcohol or, or recreational drugs, but it was always weight training. Mm. Um, and that's what I found interesting about in the, the, her name. I can't think of it right now. Um, but the young lady who does the hashtag uh, under the surface also does uh, like strength training stuff. But what I, what I realized is I never started doing it. I never started weight training or strength training or exercise, whatever. I never started any of that. Um, for what I thought was the right reason. Uh, but I feel like I was chasing that void that I would get into. Uh -huh. 
that moment, like you said, when you're asleep, everything goes away. Mm-hmm. For me, when I was asleep, everything went away. But what I also realized is when I was solely focused on that next set, that next rep, when there's like a super heavy barbell on my back and I'm, I know I have to focus on putting my hips back, spreading my legs apart, driving with my hips, contracting my glutes, keeping my upper back tight. There's so much on your mind at the time that you only focus on lifting. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it was an escape and it allowed me to, at least for that one hour of every day, to not think. Mm-hmm. At least not think about whatever was going on. And so I, I think I subconsciously began to seek that, that void and that, um, that kind of dead space. Um, and there's different articles and different stuff that say or there's some um, information that would suggest that, you know, fitness and stuff like that raises certain uh, hormones or chemicals in your brain, blah, 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 um, that might help people who are depressed or whatever the case. Um, but I just find it interesting how I was doing it without even knowing it. Um, anyway. Wow, that was like a really serious and uh, deep conversation. Well, I have a question. What made you, um, what prompted you to go and find out that you were diagnosed with clinical depression? Like, was there an event or? Uh, I honestly, like trying to think back, I think my mom noticed, I feel like it was her. I feel like my mom noticed something in my behavior. Like, I wasn't one of those kids who was, like, cutting themselves or I tried to hang myself or, like, something really drastic like that. I never tried to, like, kill one of my friends or... It was all kinds of, like, wicked stuff I was into that no one knew about. Um... <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Because should I be concerned? Um, no, but, I mean, it's, it's nothing like we haven't already talked about before. Uh. Like, you know, I... Um, I was really into like uh, setting stuff on fire and oh. matches and lighters and you know there was like an instance where like our trash room like I almost burnt that thing to the ground just setting stuff on fire and shouldn't have been um, and like slingshots and like um, killing like stray cats and squirrels and like stuff like that um, like something a serial killer or sociopath see, would do. you know what? See, this is why we as people in college don't talk about this. <laughs> so there was like all kinds of like, um, like little odd, wicked stuff like that I was into when I was really, really young. Um, but I think my mom noticed some behavior in me and something about it just didn't sit right. And I think she had me tested with the school counselor and then that led to me going to somebody else and into my actual primary care and then the primary care I think I feel like that's the way it went um anyway um so I think that was about uh, that's all I can remember that led to it I don't think there were any thoughts of of ending my own life until I was older um and there were like some pretty bad times but uh no, there wasn't anything where it's like, oh, man, this dude needs to be, like, locked up and somebody needs to keep an eye on him type of thing. But, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Oh. And then going back on medication, that was my decision. It was recommended to me um, by somebody. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I should. I'm so glad you did. Are you? Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe I'll go off of medication so you can see what I'm like. <laughs> no, I think you're... I don't I feel like good. I'm that I different. It, I think it puts you in a good space, so... I don't, I don't just, feel like I'm that different. If it's not broke, don't, don't fix it. Don't fix it. <laughs> I think the only thing it does for me, and my doctor's asking, but I think the only thing it does is... I feel like it makes me a pinch. Like, I feel like it makes me a pinch more patient. Mm. Whereas... If this is you being a pinch more patient, I don't want to see you <laughs> off of it. Because your patience is very thin. I feel like that's the... Th right? I feel like that's the thing. But then I know other people who, like, would describe me as a very patient person. Negative. And, like, now when the kids do stuff, like, you've seen it, you've seen it before. Like, the kids will do stuff, and I'll just... And I'm like, what are you doing? And if that's you on medication, <laughs> yeah. No, we're not, never getting <laughs> off. <laughs> if you get off, then I'm getting off, and that's not going to be good. Right. The family who's medicated together stays together. Both going to... The whole house going to be on fire. Jesus. Well... I know that every once in a while we have to have a serious conversation. So thanks for having a serious conversation with me about this, babe. Oh, of course, darling. Um, anybody, and I'm, I'm sorry, I do forget the young lady's name, but I do remember um, if you are a person of color and are looking for some support and some help, uh, please follow the, fa the hashtag. Please, wow. <laughs> please follow the hashtag on Instagram, uh, hashtag under the surface. And um, there's a young lady on there who's uh, actually a student. It's Curls and Calluses. There you go. Kayla Nicole. Caitlin? That's her name? Kayla. Kayla. Kayla Nicole. She has that. And under the surface underscore is the... Um, Hashtag. No, it's a other, her other page. So go follow the page that uh, my lovely wife... Um, just described uh, under, under the surface underscore under the surface underscore um but she does do some uh she posts uh some informational stuff she posts some supportive stuff of course you can ask her questions um so she's not just some joe blow um she's actually um a person who is actually studying this stuff which is very helpful but she also suffers with uh anxiety um, as a form of a mental uh, illness, and she's very open with that. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for some support, so or looking for information, or even like with myself, just trying to get more education about it um, to help me and my wife, um, then yeah, head on over, give a follow, and uh, let's support each other, family. You got anything else, baby? I sure don't. Okay. Well, thanks for hanging with us, guys. We know we were super serious and not um, all silly like we usually are, but we'll get back to that. Um, but, yeah, we needed to come on because, again, we're getting away with ourselves here in the new year. And uh, I'm starting to feel better. The hubby's starting to feel better. So we'll see you guys next Sunday for another Take Two podcast. Until then, we'll 
strip down and take a nice warm shower together. I can't. Say bye, babe. Bye-bye.